0: Okay, so tonight we're going to uh, continue looking at the end of this chapter. And I'd like to start by reading this text, and um, then we'll go ahead and dig in here. Starting in verse number 18 of chapter 13, it says, Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth the instruction, but he that regardeth it reproof shall be honored. The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, but as abomination to fools to depart from evil. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Evil pursueth sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Much food is in the tillage of the poor, but there is that is destroyed for want of judgment." He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. The righteous eateth and is satisfied, uh, and, and to the satisfying of his soul, but the belly of the wicked shall want. So, once again, we're, we're going to be looking at chapter 13 tonight, and we're continuing to see different principles of wisdom that the Lord desires to impart to us as we seek to follow him and live for him. A life which is wise and right in his eyes. Again, I want us to notice in each of these verses what the Lord is showing us is right if we are to be wise. Because ultimately that's what it boils down to. Us learning to do what God says and what God thinks is right. And so I pray and hope that as we go through these tonight, God's going to do a work in our hearts to help us in each of these areas to choose what is the good and the right way in our life. The first thing I notice here in verse number 18, I notice that there's a right regarding. And verse 18, we'll read it one more time. It says here, uh, poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction, but he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. Now, listen, folks, an individual who has an unteachable spirit um, is setting themselves up for failure, right? And as the Bible says here, they're setting themselves up for shame. A man that will be wise will learn to receive instruction. That's what is positive teaching. But he'll also will humbly receive rebuke or correction, which is teaching from a negative or corrective type of standpoint. Now, if you are an individual that won't listen to instruction or who refuses to regard the correction of others, then the truth is you aren't wise. And the truth is, you are setting yourself up for failure and shame. Uh, So learn to humbly receive both positive and negative instruction, and you will find, you know what, it's going to be a help. It's going to be a blessing to your life. And as it states here, it is the path of respect and honor. Uh, You know what, nobody really likes to be corrected, do they? Okay, Uh, but a wise man, will humbly both uh, receive instruction and correction uh, may god help us to be wise and, you know ultimately uh, us even coming to know the lord it boils down to us being willing to receive his instruction and his Amen. correction uh, because you know what until we're wise enough to recognize hey i'm wrong i have got to repent of my wrong ways i've got to turn to christ and trust in him and follow him let him be the Lord and God and Savior of my life. Guess what? I'm still on the fool's path, on the path to destruction. And you know what? It's not wise. It's a path to destruction. It's a path to shame. Okay? So there's got to be a right regarding. It starts in the life of a Christian when he gives his life to Christ. But you know what? It ought to continue on day by day by day. To have this attitude of being willing to receive instruction and correction from those around us. And that's what is wise. Also, I notice here, I write accomplishing. verse number 19, the first part of the verse states, the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. Now, I'll tell you what, folks, it feels good to get things done and to do them well, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but I like that. I mean, there really is, there's a sweet satisfaction that is involved when you accomplish something and especially when you know you've done it right. I mean, I mean, and you've done a good job, but you've given it all you've got. Um, you know what? Um, it's wise to finish. It is wise to finish. And it's wise to finish and, and, uh, and to finish well, amen. We should be known as those who do it the best of our ability with all that we've got. Not as those who do a half job, right? but of those who wisely finish and finish well, amen, in everything that we put our hand to, for the glory of God. And when we wisely accomplish our jobs and our tasks and our work, we are rewarded with a sweet satisfaction. Uh, I can remember when I worked on the golf course, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, it, it it was a satisfying thing to I'd get out there and I'd get on that mower and I'd go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, mowing those lines in that golf course, and you get done and you just swing that mower around, and you look at that thing, and the thing would check her out so pretty if you did it just right. And it was so satisfying to see that thing accomplished every time I'd do that. Um, you know. Fixing my car. Brother Bill's not here tonight, but you know what? The few times I've worked on that thing, I'll tell you what, when I get those brakes on there, I'm like, praise the Lord. <laughs> Every once in a while, God has to send Brother Marvin over there and say, hey, how come you're not doing it this just, just this way? But <laughs> after it's done, you know what? There's a sweet satisfaction yes, there. You, uh, you know, you young people earning your diploma from school, getting that driver's license, Miss Abby. I mean, there's a satisfaction uh, with, with earning those things. Um, you know, I know with Jessica and Mary, when they finish a dress, boy, it's like, man, look, I've got, I've got this thing all together. It fit just right. I just love that thing now, right? There's a sweet satisfaction there. And so let us wisely enjoy the, the sweet God-given blessing of accomplishing that which we set out to do rather than foolishly giving up or quitting. You know, there's a lot of quitters out there today, isn't there? God doesn't want the Christian to be a quitter. God wants the Christian to be an accomplisher, yeah. amen? And uh, not, not just in the task that we do, but in the life that we live for God as well. Amen. Just like the Apostle Paul, his statement was, you know, I've kept the faith. I, I fought the fight. I've kept the faith. I, faith. I've finished my course. I mean, he was a finisher. He accomplished that which God had given him to do. God wants us to be that way as well. Don't throw in the white towel, amen? Amen. Say, hey, God's given me something to do. I'm going to finish it, amen? Hey, do it to the best of your ability. And there's sweet satisfaction in doing that. Uh, There's sweet satisfaction raising your kids for God, loving your wife, loving your husband as God wanted you to, with all that you've got. Do it to the best of your ability, Uh, with every ounce that you've got, till it's finished, amen, till you go to glory, okay? God wants us to be a finisher. And truly, there's a God-given sweet satisfaction that is involved with that. So I see here a right accomplishing, but the end of this verse, I see also here a right departing. The Bible says, in the end of verse 19, it is an abomination to fools to depart from evil. So if we'll be wise, we ought to stick with it and finish what we start with all that is good, with all that is right, okay, with all that is wise in our lives. Finish it, amen. Okay um, it's it's but it's foolish. For us to continue or to stick with something or some sort of endeavor which is wicked or evil or um, ungodly or somehow unpleasing to the Lord. If we will be wise, we've got to have enough discernment to recognize uh, when something's not right when something may be off color, when something may be ungodly or a bad situation and decide, you know what? This is evil. I don't need to be here. I don't need to be part of this. I'm going to depart from that which is evil. You know what? Only a fool um, sticks with something that is evil. Uh, God has given us some wisdom, Christians, and that that maybe maybe you could just call it common sense, that when there is a... Uh, situation where we are in evil, we need to depart from that with that situation. Um, God has been uh, called us to be wise enough to recognize that which is evil and get away from it and to see that which is good and that which is right and just stick with it and finish the job, amen? Okay, so continue and finish and accomplish concerning that which is good and wise and right. And learn also to quickly depart from that which is evil, sinful, or wicked. This is wisdom, folks. I mean, it's, it's a very basic thing, but this is wisdom, okay? This is what God wants to see accomplished in our life, okay? Accomplish that which is good, wise, and right. Depart from that which is sinful, wicked, and evil, okay? Doesn't need to have any part in your life. Number four, I want you to notice here, I see that God wants us to keep a right company, Uh, Look at verse number 20. This is a powerful verse. It says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. You know what? This seems so very, very simple, and yet it's so true, isn't it? You know, you've always heard him say a bad apple spoils a whole bunch, right? Choose your friends, your company, your companions wisely. Right. May I speak extra to the young people tonight? You especially need to be super careful with that, especially as you're maturing into young adults, young men, and young ladies. Choose your companions wisely. For if you choose to keep company with fools, then you will be inviting destruction to your life. That's what the Bible says. Don't deceive yourself into thinking that you can keep company with wicked, evil, foolish, and sinful people and that it will not affect you in your life. Uh, You are deceived if that's what you believe. And I don't care if it's uh, in person or online or how you have it. Be careful who you keep company with. Um, You think it won't affect you? Uh, You are deceived. You are absolutely wrong. In fact, the Bible tells us in First. Uh, let's let's read it. First uh, Corinthians, chapter number fifteen, and verse number thirty-three. The Apostle Paul writes here: "Be not deceived; evil communications corrupt good manners." Now, this word "communications" refers not just to your speech with others but also to your company with others. it talks. It's dealing with the, comp- the companionship that you have with other individuals. So don't be deceived uh, to believe that evil companionship is okay. Evil companionship corrupts good manners, okay? Uh, it will not be good for you, for your life, for your testimony, for your family. I've seen many, many, many individuals, uh, and especially young people, Who are ruined because they chose to keep bad company. You know, in the Old Testament, there's a story about one of the sons of David, and I can't, I believe his name was Amnon. And the Bible says, Amnon had a friend. And I've got that underlined in my Bible because the man wasn't much of a friend at all. He right. started counseling Amnon about how he could take his half-sister to uh, to just take her to be his. And he conspired with him this evil plan. In the long run, he did some wicked, sinful thing with his sister. And then his half-brother came over and slew him because of it. And Amnon had a friend all right, but it wasn't a good right. friend. It was evil evil company and it affected him in a very very bad way it ruined his life and ultimately ended his life be careful of the company that you keep choose your counselors and your companions wisely Uh, choose them among those whom you know to be godly individuals okay don't go to somebody that's going to tell you what you want to hear go to somebody that's going to tell you what you need to hear Uh, oh, how often, I've seen this to be the case, when people are in difficulties in their life, they'll go to somebody who's going to tell them what they want to hear. They'll say, oh yeah, it's fine, go ahead and do this. No, don't uh, do that. Amen. Go to somebody that's going to say, hey, you know what, I know what you're going through, but this is what God's word says. This is what the truth is. This is how God says is best for you to live out your life. I know it's difficult, but this is the truth. And this is what's wise you know what those are the type of people you want to surround yourself people that you know are godly you can see it in their life that's the way they're gonna live they're gonna to try to honor God and they're gonna counsel you in that godly way as well for the Bible says here in this text he that walketh with the wise what shall be wise man you want to be wise keep yourself in good company with wise individuals And that's one reason why a purpose when we've been here not to have youth activities. I don't have specific youth activities. There's a reason for that. Because over the years that we've been in the, uh, the, the uh, ministry, and we even did youth ministry when we first got started, but I've noticed that oftentimes youth ministries breed a lot of bad effects on young people. I've seen a lot of times where kids that grew up in these youth ministries end up going wild and crazy. And the, you know what? They started a whole lot of that where? In those, in those ministries, in those youth groups. And so we have family activities here because you know what? I want my young people to be around the godly older people in the church. I want them to be around those who are known as godly, wise individuals, Christian men and Christian women that can have a godly, wise influence upon their life. You know what? I would rather take Samuel and send him down here with Brother Marvin To fix the church than to have him go play with a whole bunch of ruffians out on the street about his same age. Why? He can learn something from Brother Marvin. Brother Marvin will teach him something practical, something that he can learn to do with his hands. And he'll talk to him about the Lord. He'll encourage him in the Lord as well. Well, I love sitting my girls down with Miss Mary where they can learn how to do something good with their hands. A godly woman that loves the Lord, that's going to teach them how to sew and do things with their hands for God's glory. I love to have that influence in their life. Why? Because I want them to be wise. Amen. Amen. And listen, folks, we need to make sure we surround ourselves with that type of company. You know what? I don't know what type of company you keep at a church. You know, and God knows. You know who you hang out with on the Internet. You know who you uh, converse with during the week, uh, who you congregate with. Hey, listen, you beware if you're keeping bad company. Don't deceive yourself into thinking it's okay. Don't deceive yourself into thinking that it will not have a bad effect on your life. If you're not careful, before you know it, you're going to be reaping the bad effects of that relationship, of that companionship in your life, and it will not be good. It will not be good. The Bible tells us here, in this verse, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools, what? Shall be destroyed. There's not a question mark here. It's not like this might happen. He's saying, this is what's going to happen if you ignore my words and keep company with those who are foolish and don't care about what God says is right. Right? Okay, that's what it boils down to. So don't tell yourself, it's okay, it doesn't matter. It does matter because it tells me here that the companion of fools shall be destroyed. Okay, keep it in mind what's well, powerful. It will help us if we'll heed it. There was a time in my life where I had some foolish companions. I said, you know what, i I've got to separate myself from this. I can't be their friends anymore because I can already tell they were affecting me in a bad way. I didn't want to have any part of it. There's going to come some times in your life where you're going to say, you know what, I'm just going to separate. I, can't, I cannot have companionship with this. Okay, and so remember, there's going to be a right company that is wise. I notice also here, I see in this text, that there is a right return. Look at verse number 21. Evil pursueth sinners. That's a powerful statement in itself, isn't it? We'll dig into that in a minute. But evil pursueth sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. Well, that's an interesting concept, isn't it? What I I see here, when I look at this, it reminds me that for everything, there's going to be a return, friend. For everything, there's going to be a return. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 11.1, cast your bread on the waters. For thou shalt find it after many days. Also, you read Numbers 32 23. Be sure your sin will what? Find you out. Find you out. It's going to happen. Brother Paul wrote in Galatians 6 7 Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. It's interesting, he said before that, Be not deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And here Solomon speaks of evil, literally pursuing those who are sinners. But to the righteous, good shall be repaid. You know what? Truly, we cannot escape this law of the harvest. Just like a seed planted out in that dirt is going to spread. The seeds you plant in your life, spiritually speaking, they're going to grow. There's a harvest yes, that's man. coming. Listen, friend, we can be sure that there is a return coming, whether it be for good or whether it be for evil, there is a return that will come to your life, friend. So may the Lord enable us to wisely sow that which is good and that which is right in our life, that we may enjoy the blessings of a good harvest of good things in the future, rather than sowing evil things in awaiting waiting for that awful day when our sin finally catches up with us and it finds us out. Because you know what? It's going to happen. God promises that it will. So be not deceived, friends. For everything in this life, there is a return, either for good or for evil. May we be wise enough to sow that which is good to sow that which is right and wise and then enjoy the blessings when they return on our lives, amen. amen. You know, the choice is ours. Every day we're sowing stuff. Every single day. And there's gonna be return for all those things that we sow, for good or for evil, in our relationships with our, with our spouses, with our children, okay? Um, I mean, every aspect of our life, we're sowing every day. There's a return coming. May we sow those things which are good that we may have a good harvest, amen? So notice there's a right return. I also notice here there's a right leaving. Look with me if you would at verse number 22. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. That wealth of the sinner laid up for the just, it makes me think of the fact, that the Bible says the meek shall inherit the earth. One day we're gonna rule here as kings on this earth we're going to rule and reign with jesus (laughs) he's going to own it all and we're going to rule and reign with him aren't we as the meek we'll inherit the earth but you know what when i was reading these verses the very first thing that caught my attention a question came to my mind the question that came to my mind is what will i leave for those behind me but what will i leave specifically for my children And if the Lord cherries to my grandchildren as well, yes, there's a possibility I could leave them some sort of inheritance. I doubt that it would be a whole lot. (laughs) Silver, gold, houses, lands. But I am all too aware that such financial, physical inheritance has little eternal value. Am I not right? Is there not a reason Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? And so I'm very aware that that type of inheritance, financial, has, has very little, uh, very little, very minimal, eternal value. So I can live for that, to leave that for my kids, or I can leave them with an inheritance which is incorruptible and undefiled and fadeth not away in Christ yes. Jesus. Amen. They can never be lost. They can never be stolen, which has an everlasting and eternal value. Yes, I hope to leave them something wonderful. I hope to leave them something of much greater value than money could ever be. I hope to leave them with a godly heritage. I hope to leave them with an eternal salvation that's been provided through Jesus Christ, my Lord. I hope to leave them with with an instilled love for an almighty and holy God. I hope to leave them with a spiritual inheritance of faith in Christ which can never be taken away from them, amen. Hey, listen. Our country could go communist and they could take away every penny I own and everything I possess, but they cannot take away my salvation and they cannot take away my Jesus and they cannot take away my inheritance which is laid up in heaven, amen. Amen. And so I hope to lay such a foundation in in the lives of my children that they might have this inheritance. And I hope to leave them a testimony of faith to follow of a man who was real and lived real before them, the faith of Jesus Christ, who fought the fight, who kept the faith, who finished his course. You see, I may not have riches, I doubt I ever will. Some others may have riches, but I don't believe I ever will. I don't I don't really care. I've got something that's worth a whole lot more. Amen. Hey. But I know I have the ability to leave them something and something of much greater value than any money I could lay up in store. I wonder tonight, what would you be leaving behind when you leave? What will you leave behind for yours? Riches in this world which moth can corrupt and rust can canker which can burn, which can be stolen, which can fly away, or riches in Jesus Christ. An inheritance which will never get them into heaven or an inheritance which will be part of heaven forever and ever and ever. There's a wise way to leave something to your children and your children's children. And you've got a choice to make. Will I do it or not? Will I live for all the world has to offer that I can leave them worldly goods? Or will I live for all that Jesus has to offer that I can leave them a spiritual inheritance and a godly heritage and a godly testimony and a faith in Jesus Christ which can never be taken away? Oh, may God help us to leave behind such a wonderful testimony, such a wonderful faith for those that go after us for the next generation, for our children, for our grandchildren, that they might see in us something that they desperately need to have as well. And so I see here a right leaving. I notice also number seven, a right judgment. Look at me at verse number 23. It says, much food is in the tillage of the poor, but there is that is destroyed for want of judgment. Now, we need to understand kind of what's going on in this verse to get the concept of what's what I'm what I'm trying to get at here. The word tillage, some of us might thought might have thought that means up in store. It's not what it's referring to. The word tillage refers to freshly tilled land. And so what he's referring to is the potential of that land to produce much food that the poor they have much potential in their land they have much food it's right there at their fingertips to have that provided for them if they would only be diligent about using what god had given them the principle has a uh that has that that here is talked about has an application to multiple areas of our lives not just the principle of living off the land that god's given us which we can apply it to that as well The idea is that there is much provision that is available to us to meet and even surpass our needs if we would have the right judgment to properly use the resources that have been provided to us of the Lord. But just like with a garden, that which is left untended and uncared for and unused will tend towards loss, destruction and destruction. And poverty because it wasn't properly attended to like the poor men in this text oftentimes when we are looking uh, what uh, what we are when we are lacking is because we have been negligent with what God has provided for us you see there is the potential of much food in the tillage of the land of the poor man But his lack of judgment is what will lead to his poverty and his destruction. You know, the choice is ours, isn't it? Most times, it's not the lack of resources that is our problem, but simply a lack of our good judgment and how we handle the things, the resources, which God has entrusted to us. May God help us to wisely exercise good judgment with the resources that he has granted us, that we may also reap the blessings accordingly for his glory and his honor in our lives. So I see here there's a right judgment. You know, we need need to properly take care of what God, the resources that God has granted us. And you know what? We'll not want if we do that. God will provide adequately for each and every need. Notice also I see here right chastening in verse number 24. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Now, if you ever wanted just one verse on child rearing, I think this would do just fine. Uh, Listen, folks, I mean, what the modern society, what our modern world has to say about child rearing is completely opposite of what the Lord has to say. And the Lord is very clear in this verse about proper child rearing. Uh, Listen, it is not loving to neglect, to discipline your children. Uh, That's clear. I mean, when you have a parent that just, I mean, their child screams and they give them everything they want. That is not loving. That's teaching a child to be rebellious and self-centered and and selfish. It's not God's way, Amen. amen? And it's not wise. But instead, a parent that loves their child will spare not the rod, the Bible says, and will chasten their children betimes. That word betimes, you look it up, it refers to chastening them quickly or promptly or as soon as it is needed, rather than delaying so that it does not happen. Uh. It is not loving or kind to ignore your children's need for discipline. How deceptive the devil is. I mean, you think about it. If he can get parents to think that it's hateful, mean, and unkind to not discipline their children, well, those parents will then teach their children basically to rebel so that when they get older and they grow up, guess who now they're going to rebel against? Sure enough, they will rebel against God. Right. Oh, may God help us to see that God's way is always best. You see, when we when we choose to ignore God, Our children's need for discipline to do so is to only train them to lack self-control and only to train them to be rebellious, which, as I said, you know what? It leads to every sinful, awful vice that is imaginable out there. Just look at all the vices that are out in society today. What did it start with? Well, I guarantee you it started with a mom or a daddy that would not train their children properly. Oh, how oftentimes people get caught up in these things. Why? They have no self-control and they're rebellious against God. Well, you know, there's a place to deal with that. There's a place to train concerning that. It's in the home. And God has established a home for that purpose. Almost every sinful, awful vice that's imaginable, I think, stems from a lack of self-control and rebellion. And we can, we can deal with that at the heart of that by training our children the way that God teaches us to. As I said also, it teaches them to rebel against God's authority as well. You know, if you can't learn, a child can't learn to be, submit to the authority of their parents, you know what, they're not going to learn to submit to anybody else's authority right. as well. There's no way they're going to submit their life to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior if they are not willing to submit to their parents in their home either. And so, listen, friends, to ignore the need of discipline in your children is to only encourage them in destructive behavior that will likely reap awful consequences in their lives and their bodies right now in this life. But even worse is the fact that it oftentimes, I believe, leads to a reaping of awful consequences in eternity as well. Because they learn to rebel against mom and dad in the home and then they rebel against God and authority just like Satan rebelled against God and they end up in the same place that Satan's at, in a literal hell forever and ever. And so if I choose to ignore the need of discipline of my child, I am training them rebellion is okay and I will likely lead them and point them to hell. How loving is that? Right? I mean modern society says don't chasten them. I'm not talking about beating them. I would never tell you to beat your child. You should never be abusive to children. You should love them. You should deal with them tenderly and lovingly. I'm talking about using a rod on their behind uh, as they have need of it, amen. Not whapping them across the face, beating them, doing all kinds of other horrible things to them, okay? but giving them a good swift swat on the behind when they need it to remind them uh, what, what is right in the home. Amen. Oh, may God help us to train them the way that God wants them to be trained because, listen, if when we don't do that, we're preparing them for hell. Amen. It is wise and it is loving to use the rod and to do so promptly when it is needed. You know, when I discipline my children, and I I love them dearly, and I hate spanking. I really don't like to do it. I would prefer to never, ever have to spank any of them ever again. But when I do, I give them their spankings um, somewhere between one and three, depending on if it's been repeatedly done over and over again or not. And then we'll sit down on the bench. And I'll say, okay, son, okay, daughter, how come you get those spankings? And they'll say, okay, dad, well, it's because I, I did this. And I'll say, you're right, you understand. I said, you're not gonna do it again, right? Yes, dad, I'm not gonna do it again. And I'll say, well, you know I love you, right? They say, I know you love me, dad. And they'll give me a big old hug and we'll be done dead with it or gone. But they know I don't wanna do it. They also know that I do it because I love them. Yeah. And I want them to learn to do what's right. And listen, that's what real love is. Real love doesn't ignore things just because it's hard. Real love does even the hard things for the benefit of the other. Man. And so, I mean, even as the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it talks about chasing, and it says that it may seem grievous now, but afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. You know what? I want that in my children. That's the way God deals with us as his children, but I want that in my children as well. And so I want to discipline them in a way which is wise in God's eyes. And if you have children, I hope that you'll uh, be seeing the need to deal with them appropriately this way as well. Don't push it off. Don't neglect it. That doesn't help, okay? Deal with it wisely. Deal with it lovingly. Deal with it God's way, and it will be a blessing and a help to you. So love them and chasten them as often as they are need, as it is needed and right away when it is needed. For that is God's way and that is the wise way. Okay, so a right chastening. I know lastly tonight we'll look at verse number 25. I see here a right satisfaction. The Bible says in verse 25, The righteous eateth to the satisfying of his soul, but the belly of the wicked shall walk. That's interesting because, I mean, there's lots of very rich, wicked people, right? There's a lot of uh, wicked people that have all kinds of stuff. I mean, they have whatever they want, right? And so I think when I read this, what this is really getting, the truth this is really getting at, is that a wise and godly man is content and satisfied with the provision of God for him. But the covetous heart of a wicked man is never satisfied. He talked to some of the wealthiest people in the world and you say, "What more do you want?" Just one more dollar. Yeah. It's never enough. He always needs more, wants more no matter how much he has. This is why as the Bible says in the New Testament, godliness with contentment is great gain. That's what the Bible says. For the godly and wise and righteous man, you know what? He's satisfied with what God has provided for him right where he's at. But the foolish man always seems to be wanting and never seems to have enough because the hunger of his foolish, covetous heart cannot be satisfied. It cannot be satisfied. He always seems to need more. May the Lord help us to be of those who wisely are content and satisfied with the provision which the Lord has given to us. Yeah. God's people ought to be a satisfied people, a contented people, thankful people with what God has given to them, how God has taken care of them. Amen? Uh, the righteous eat it to the satisfying of his soul. Praise the Lord. We ought to just be satisfied with the provision that God has given to us. Amen. Uh, We look at each of these things tonight and we see what is wise. We see what is right. Uh, May God help us to choose what is right, to choose what is wise in each of these areas as we consider this, the right regarding of receiving instruction in our life, a right accomplishing, a right departing, a right company, a right return, a right believing, a right judgment, a right chastening, and a right satisfaction. May God help us to choose what is good and wise and right. Well, Let's go ahead and close now with a word of prayer. Brother Jack, if you would, you close our service now with a word of prayer, please.